Thank you, Dean. I choked a little bit uh, looking at these pictures. And when we started the church, those new fathers were not fathers. They were teenagers. Some of them were small. Some of them were not born. Can you believe that? That tells you how old I am. <laughs> but the beauty of it is they grew up in the church of God. How many generations I've seen. And God loves us. All I can say is God gave us another Father's Day. I preached about 35 years on Father's Day. I ran out of uh, subjects. <laughs> so why don't we end the meeting now, huh? I received this week from a good couple of ours in the church here a little poem. And it is hopefully, it was a blessing, hopefully it will be a blessing to you. And it is from Vince and Cindy Rolf. And I it goes like this. Fathers are defenders of God's truth in the workplace and at home. They guide their children, they guide their children on God's path and correct them if they roam. Men of prayer and devotion, an example of God's grace, a model of strength and courage who stand tall in their place. Provider of his family's needs, the protector of his clan, faithful husband to his wife, an honest and dependable man, who puts God's work and his family at the head of all he will do, making God the focus of his life, faithful to all that's good and true. Our hats off to our fathers, who deserve today our thanks, we know one day they'll be rewarded as they stand in heaven's ranks. Thank you very much, Vince and Cindy. And uh, hopefully we can live up to your writings, each and every father, this morning. As I said, I ran out of subjects, but the word of God never runs out. We always have a message from the Word of God. I looked for to find a, a person, a hero in the Bible, so men, fathers can follow, and women, and everyone else, and all of us. This message is not for men and fathers. This message today is for every one of us. The first is for me. And I looked, I was studying in the book of Genesis about two months ago, the life of Joseph. And you know about Joseph. Many of you know about Joseph. And I picked up a few things I wanted to share with you this morning still. Uh, in order to uh, redeem time, uh, you will find his story running from uh, chapter 39 
in the, in the book of Genesis until uh, for seven chapters. It's dedicated to Joseph because he was a man of God. And I want to talk today the example of a godly man. The example of a godly, godly man. So, uh, writers described Joseph as one of the most outstanding men of the Bible. His story is fascinating. Is the subject at one time or another to most, if not all, the Sunday schools in the world. It is the story of a young man who went from the pit to the palace and from rags to riches, from a youthful dreamer to the king's interpreter of dreams. His life was filled with lessons for the young and old. And with all the afflictions he went through, he kept his life clean, set an example for all men to follow. R.W. Moss, one of the great men of God, wrote about him, a very high place must be given Joseph among the early founders of his race. In strength of right purpose, he was second to none, while in graces of reverence and kindness, of insight and assurance, he became the type of faith that is at once personal and national and allows neither misery nor a career of triumph to eclipse the sense of divine destiny. And what do you find in the life of Joseph? I picked up three things. You will find at least, at least, maybe hundreds of things in the life of Joseph, and all of them are encouraging and a lesson and an example to all of us. Three things. In Genesis, let's read Genesis chapter 39, chapter 39. Verses 7 to 12. This is Joseph. I want to draw your attention. This is when his first real temptation. And he stand against this temptation. One, one, the first point I'd like to share with you, his stand. Men, pay attention, please. And it came about after these events that his master's wife, Joseph's master's wife, uh, Joseph's, uh, his master is Potiphar, and he had a wife there, looked with desire at Joseph, and she said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, behold, with me here, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. And he has put all that he owns in my charge. There is no one greater in this house 
than I, and he has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do this great evil and sin against God? And it came about, as she spoke to Joseph day after day, that he did not listen to her to lie beside her or be with her. Now it happened one day that he went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the household was there inside. And she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and went outside. Joseph stand against temptation. Men and women, please listen to me. His faithfulness is displayed here in refusing the evil solicitation of Satan. Granted, he was a handsome man. That's what the Bible says. And Potiphar's wife was so attracted to him. And also notice that Joseph was tempted not in Canaan when he was with his family, but by, by his brethren, but he was tempted in Egypt. And where is the temptation lies? Not when you are in your family, amongst your people, not when you are at church, but when you are in the world. Men, when you go out to work, when you go out to uh, uh, toil, when you go out to solicit for business for your family, to support your family, your, your temptation is there. And as much as it were for our dear hero, Joseph, Egypt is, we know, a symbol of the world. And he was living in a worldly house by the wife of the captain of the guard. And when temptation was repeated several times and seduction was there in front of him, he refused her appeals. As it says in the verse we read, and when he refused her totally, she caught him by the garment, but he did something that every young man, every husband, every father should do. He fled and went outside the house. What a man of honor and dignity. In the hour of temptation, he did not give in or nor surrender to the desires of the flesh. Joseph had respect for his boss. And secondly, Joseph had a great sense of responsibility to his God. He did the right thing and ran away. And he was shouting and screaming, How then, how then could I do this great evil and sin against God? Again, notice with me. He did not say that the sin he will commit with this woman was against his master or his body, but against God himself. Amen. He knew the destructive consequences 
of an illicit affair. He wanted to be able to live with himself later on. He had the resources to resist the temptation. And guess what? He had God on his side. That's the man of God. Men, I beseech you today to have a great relationship with God so when the hour of temptation, and may, may you not meet such a temptation, you know you stand with God and he'll give you the strength to flee. How many in our world today when they are tempted and fall into sin, the very first thing that comes to their mind, do you know what they do and say? That they are sinning against the other person or sinning against their vows. But it's more dangerous. They forget that their sin first and foremost is against Almighty God. God created, created us to be pure, to be sincere, to be honest, to be faithful to our wives, and to be faithful to our vows, and to be faithful first and foremost to our God. Men, I encourage you on this Father's Day to be great fathers. And to be a great, a great father is not how big or how tall or how much you make, where, though I appreciate that and your wife might appreciate that, but how godly you are. Let's get nearer to God. And you know what saved him in the hour of temptation, what protected him in the hour of, of temptation, God was with him. And anywhere he went in his life, and anywhere he's been subjected to in his life, God was first and foremost in his life. He had the preeminence. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 22, Paul writing to his son, Timothy. And he told him there to flee from youthful lusts. He loved him so much and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, and those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. This is faithfulness to stand firm, young men, against the assault of the evil. You know, Satan is after you. Ever since you gave your life to Jesus Christ, Satan is after you. You didn't feel it before you became a Christian. You feel it more after you become a Christian. Why? Because Satan lost you. He lost a great a great person, and he wants to get you back, and he tries to, to assault you on a daily basis. But one thing, if God is with you, Satan cannot touch you. If you have that relationship that Joseph has with God, had with God, no one can touch you. Nothing else under the sun. Neither prisons, nor any, anyone else. Joseph loves God. And he loved God. And in the hour of temptation, guess what? He did not leave him nor forsake him. And that's what God will do for you. In the hour of temptation, the God will not leave you nor 
forsake you. And you know, through all this, through all this, Joseph never forgot and forsook that he is an Israelite. He's not an Egyptian. He knew he was living in a foreign land. He was serving a foreign master. But since God has placed him there, he will do the best. And he will never forget he stayed faithful to Israel and Israel's God in every situation. So, man, this example was a great example. Joseph stood against temptation. The second example I took from his life, his forgiveness. When he was unjustly treated, his forgiveness. Joseph suffered numerous injustices, many disappointments, heartbreaks, but he never was discouraged. His brother mistreated him. They sold him. His boss's wife mistreated him. He was unfairly treated, falsely accused. Joseph was in prison. They put him in prison. And he did a favor to the bakers and told him to remember him. And he never remembered him. He forgot him. He was afflicted. And the Bible says the affliction at that time in prisons was very hard and harsh. They afflicted his feet with fetters. He himself was laid in irons. I read, uh, I wanted to know how the situation were in these prisons. They used to put, uh, put a, a, a ring around their necks. With a, short, with a short chain. They couldn't move anywhere. And their feet were, were in fetters. And they would sit like this until they rot. They bring, bring to the prisoners some kind of nourishment that is not even nourishment. But he was never discouraged. He knew that God allowed it and God is with him. And it's all somehow somehow going to work together for good to them that love the Lord. It's work. Joseph forgave each injustice. Even when he rose to a position of power in the land of Egypt, he did not seek vengeance. Church, church forgiveness the greatest characteristic of our Father was forgiveness. The greatest characteristic of our Lord Jesus Christ, what did he say on the cross of Calvary? To his enemies, forgive them, Lord. And he gave them what? Uh, a way out. They don't know what they're doing. And here, here, if there is an example we should follow, if we should follow this man's example, and he never brought it up. He was the true example of forgiveness. Do we forgive? Do you have anything in your heart that you're still harboring? No, I, I, for, 
I forgive, but I never forget. This is not forgiveness. No. I forgive you, but I'll never forget the incidents. Forgiving is forgiving and forgetting. Period. And you all take it and put it under the blood and go on and go forward with life. If you have anything against anyone, even if they don't ask you to forgive them, your responsibility to God, fathers, at home, your responsibility to God is to forgive and to forget and let God take it over from there. He was committed to God himself. And he gave God the priority in everything in his life. His motto was to speak the truth and character comes before career. It doesn't, it didn't bother him. I am going to lose my job. If I don't lie, I'm going to lose my job. Lie and lose your job and God will get you another job. If you don't believe me, well, try it. I hope not. You don't have to try it. But the thing of it is, God honors those who honor him. Stand for God. He stood. And he didn't care whether it's a prison or cutting my head or anything else. And though he was in jail, he treated everybody in such a fair and loving situation that he was promoted in jail. He was in jail promoted. He was the supervisor for all the prisoners, which is not a good position, but he's still in prison. But thank God for that. Maybe he has less fetters on his legs and, uh, and he was able to move a little bit. Why? Because he was truthful and honest in everything. And at that time and during all this, these experiences, Joseph was not affected by Egypt's gods. In fact, let me, let me show you according to the historical facts. Pharaoh believed in multitude of gods. He worshipped the crocodile. And that means all his people around him are going to what? Are going to worship crocodiles with him. Can you imagine worshipping a crocodile? Hello, crocodile, I bow before you. And then the crocodile jumps and swallows him. The God ate the worshiper. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. He worshipped the bull. He worshipped all manners of things. And uh, the writing says, said he even down to, uh, went down to worship leeks and onions. It was crazy. Not Joseph. Not Joseph. He worshipped the God of his fathers. Like we sang. God of our fathers. God of Israel. His secret was his absolute faith in his God. 
And it is through this that God worked to exalt him highly. The result, we read in Genesis chapter 39, 23, the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. He became the prime minister of Egypt. You know the story, but it's good. It's an encouraging story. How he stood against temptation, how he forgave when he was unjustly treated. The third point and the last point, he stood for God in adversity. He stood for God. Joseph was very familiar with adversity. If you read his life story because of time, and if you ask Joseph about hardship, he could have written a large book about it, yet he suffered sil silently, never complaining. Today, Christians are not exempt from adversity. Men and women, you're not exempt from the tests in this life. If we take a quick review of the men and women in the Bible, we will discover many accounts of godly people who faced trials and who faced adversity. Young men, fathers, adversity and hardship are disciplined to the character to make you the godly man and woman the Lord desires you to be. Do you agree with that? Every affliction that we face in life as, a, as Christian people, every affliction, every test, every adversity we go through, God has a plan for it. Whether it's the job or lack of it, whether it's situation with people, whether it's some people you're working with, whether it's at home, whether it's outside the house, and name them, there are millions of adversities, millions of tests, millions of afflictions in the world. You've got some. Remember, seek God as, he's, as he was seeking the God of his fathers. Seek him and he will get you through. What does the Bible say? I will be with him in trouble. I will be with him. He was with him and he will walk you through it. And then you will bless God afterwards. There's also, when you go through affliction like Joseph, there's a growth, maturity in character and in personality by enduring. And after the endurance, what happened to him? There was a crown, right? He became the prime minister. After we endure what we go through, there is a crown waiting for you. Don't ever say, Lord, I try to find ways to get from under the experience you're going through, the difficulty that God is allowing in your life. And he never tried. He never tried. The only thing I find about him, he asked the baker, says, remember me before the king, Pharaoh, when you get there. And you might count it for him as a mistake, but he remembered him two years later. But 
Nevertheless, nevertheless, there is a God who is living in heaven and he cares for you and for me. And we don't need to remind anyone, he will never forget you, never leave you, nor forsake you. Paul, in writing to Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3, suffer hardship, he tells him. Suffered hardship with me as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And this is the example. As a good soldier, suffer it with? Who was the example for Timothy? Paul. He says, suffer with me. He wasn't sitting on a high chair in his palace and telling him, you suffer a little bit, one day you'll reach where I reach. No, we are both suffering. We are going through it. Suffer with me. And he goes on to say, it is a trustworthy statement. For if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we, that's the word, endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. That was the stand of Joseph of old. He never denied his God. He stood for him. And finally, Joseph also saw adversity in the light of God's plan. Listen to how he viewed his hardship. In chapter 45, verse 5 and 7 and 8, I will, you, know, you don't need to open your book. He's addressing his brothers who came over to get food from him. From him, they sold him, and now they're bowing before him. And now, he says, do not be grieved or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. And God sent me before you a remnant in the earth and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Now, therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his household and ruler over all the land of Egypt. How God elevates. How God compensates. He endured. He endured and he was elevated. Life in the pres presence of God, let me, let me say this, regardless of the adversity he's gone through or you go through, life in, in the presence of God and take it and run with it is a happy life. Do you agree with that? Okay. Joseph's life was a great life. And such will be yours if God be with you. Later on in life, we never heard about it to prove that he was a godly man. This is a, a great fact. I want you to look at it. God gave Joseph and his family a double portion in Israel. Did you ever, did you ever realize that? Double portion. Which never happened to any other of the 12 sons of Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. But he got a double portion, Joseph. Each one had one portion. Ephraim and Manasseh. The children of Joseph. Each stood at the head of a tribe. As if they were actually the sons of Jacob. 
The nation of Israel came from the 12 tribes. Two were the grandsons. Well, what got them there? They were the children of Joseph. God compensates. God pays back. God knows how you are training your children. God knows how you are raising your children, fathers and mothers. God knows what you're doing for them. God knows the heartaches. God knows what you go through. And then he will, one day, he will tell you, well done. Your children, you raise them in the fear of God, and you will find them in the future serving God in the same church you're serving him. Those who begin with early with God and stand fast to the end and hold to God both in trouble and in prosperity shall see their children brought to the Lord and in their children they shall possess the double portion. You are working hard for these two children you have or three what you have or one what you have and you're praying for them. And you are trying to raise them in the fear of God. One day, God is going to say, well, are, you, are you more better than me and more generous than me? Okay, these children of yours, I am going to make them succeed double, twice as much as you have succeeded. And you will look at your children and you're proud of them. Don't you think, Joseph, when Manasseh and Ephraim went to be with the tribes and raised, and you know, we're, can you believe, from 12 tribes, the world is, Israel is all over the world, because that's God's blessing to Joseph. At the end of his life, he saw his two children taking charge and being, being the, the light into a world filled with darkness. As Spurgeon once said, those who carry Christ's cross, they shall wear Christ's crown. What a beginning from the dungeon, as we said, to the crown. We need to evaluate our lives in a biblical and spiritual perspective. We should realize, men and women too, that God's plan is bigger than ours. And God knows, whatever we go through, whatever your plans, God works everything for good to them that love God. Before, before that verse got to us, Joseph experienced it. Joseph practiced it. Would you like people to say about you, he sure is a godly man? Would you? I'd like to. Well, or would you like to say people, sure, God is with him? Well, we have a good model, right? You have an excellent example before you today. May I direct you also to a better and greater example, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's be imitators of God, and let's follow the truth. May we emulate his life and follow him, who is able, able to make us better fathers and a blessing 
to our families and friends. And if there's someone who is not today a person after God's own heart, not saved, you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you want to be this man, you want to be the man to teach your children the precepts of God, to be a model for your children, to be that Christian person or the women. I ask you to, to bow your head as we bow, bow, uh, bow our heads all together. Bow your heads. And in prayer, ask the Lord Jesus to come into your life. Say, Lord Jesus, save me. Change me. I want to be like this man. I want to be a model to my children. I want to be a model to my friends. I want to be a model everywhere. And fathers, and if you're a father, I want to be a model father. And I want to be sincere to my wife, sincere to my children. And if you are unsaved, unmarried, what you need first is Jesus Christ in your life. Say, Lord Jesus, I give you my life. And if you need to talk to me later, come and talk to me. I'll be here sitting in the front seat. And may the Lord bless you and bless everyone else. Father, we bow our heads before you and ask you to make us men and women of God. We want you to come to our lives and change us and make us like this man of old, Joseph. And we want to imitate him. Rather, we'd like to imitate you and live a life pleasing in your eyesight. Bless this congregation. Bless this Father's Day in the homes of each and every person. And we pray that you will dismiss us with your blessing. In Jesus' name we ask and pray. Amen. Amen. As I said, if